Good evening, folks. Uh, thank you for showing up for episode number eight. Can't believe we're at this stage already. So can't wait till we do 80 more, Kent. So <laughs> before we get into the show, I want to first wish my good buddy, partner in crime, a happy birthday. Um, his bad friend, me, forgot to send him a message on Sunday, which was his birthday. So I'm apologizing to you on live air. <laughs> happy birthday, Kent. And Thank for all you. those who are, who are watching, don't have let his uh, good looks fool you. He's wise beyond his years, and he's definitely not a rookie in this hobby. Um, if we're going to use metaphors, a lot of people are talking about metaphors in this hobby, like we're in the third inning of, our, of a doubleheader. At least with our show, you'll never have a rain delay. So Kent and I will be here to, to keep you entertained. Um, I want to first thank we, last week's guest, Chris, uh, Chris Justice from Cards Infinity. He got to show us some content and stories from the other side of the camera and the mind's eye of a breaker. Um, he has many great stories. I love the movie quotes, and I don't think I'll ever be able to get those quotes out of my head or your voice out of my head. So, And that's good news. We'll, we'll have you back another day. However, tonight we're really excited. We have a, a young lad who's coming to the show tonight who is a... Goodman Museum collection, super collector, I guess is a lack of a better way of explaining it. He collects several theme sets. Um, but before we get there, one thing I wanted to say, which was really cool, was he's aspiring to get into space medicine. So he'll be attending a, a really you know cool university in the very near future. Um, and I did say he's a young man. So we're going to bring Joey Oliveri on screen. And he's uh, fresh at the mall, just dropping off his sister for shopping. Joey. Hey, hey Joey. guys. Good. You changed locations. You're in the uh, inside now. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Cool. So, Kent, uh, I know you were going to talk to Joey about his Aztec, so I'll let you take the honor of that because I'm not a huge, not knowledgeable. The, the area, connection's so a little bad. That. I'm going to go upstairs and see if it's okay. see if it's like any better here. Sorry. No worries. Just take, take your time. Well, I was going to say, well, I could maybe make fun of him until he gets back live. But uh, as you know, everybody knows, well, most people know right now, March Madness is happening. And I, he, Joey is actually a, a, a graduate of uh, San Diego University Aztecs. So I actually did pick the Aztecs to go in the Sweet 16. But if you've been following March Madness, that did not happen. <laughs> they didn't even make it past the first round. So I can't even bug him about that right now. But uh, as he's relocating, uh, but yeah, um, that yeah, these the Aztecs. I thought they would go a lot farther than they did, but uh, yeah, that didn't happen. Mind you, if you've been following the March Madness this year, there's been a lot of crazy, strange upsets. Um, so I think for most people, their their brackets are busted. Uh, I know for a fact that uh, mine was busted probably after the Thursday games uh, was already broken. Uh, so yeah. Um, right now, we're just going to wait for Joey to come back online. He just has to relocate to get to a better feed. So in the meantime... Um... Well, actually, we can get into a little bit about the, why we brought this guest on. So, yeah, sure. Go for it. Um, I'm still going to make fun of him for... <laughs> he reminds me of a backpacker that's gone to like a fan expo and is waiting in the hallway to, to, to see us. So um, I hope he doesn't mind us doing this at his expense, but he'll be back with us shortly. But... Um, the reason we got into Goodwin Champions is our show, again, we talk about diversity and, and inclusivity, but we also want to talk about diversity in the hobby, not from a collector's point of view, but diverse collections in general. Yeah. So a lot of people will talk about baseball cards, football cards, soccer cards, but not many people talk about the historical significance of the Upper Deck Goodwin uh, collection. Now there's uh this this sucks. this collection has a World War II history, World War One history in 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 the theme of relics. So in similar to how you pull jersey cards and autographs out of boxes, um, you can pull relics from the past. For example, uh, bullets. I believe I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know for sure, but I believe bullets. Definitely lapels because I pulled one myself. Um, buttons. World War Two buttons. World War One buttons that go on the on the actual jackets. Um, medals. And medals. medals, too. Yeah, so there's, for someone who's a history buff and likes, you know, collecting, this is probably right up their alley, and I'm, I'm sure there are many, many, many people who collect that aren't aware of what significance uh, of what Goodwin Champion uh, offers collectors 
And I'm sure on the flip side, there aren't many people who know about collecting cards and trading cards that are World War II, World War One, and Civil War history buffs. Um, for the record, Kent and I are both extremely devout history buffs. Uh, I'm into Civil War history and World War II. Kent, you want to go in a little bit about your passion for the game? Uh, my, my passion is basically World War II history. So I've been a big follower of World War II history. Um, and we have Joey back. Okay, sorry about that delay, guys. I apologize. I was, it was, it kept uh, interrupting. So I think I'm in a much better spot now. That's so. okay. I was just making fun of your Aztecs exiting in the first round, which screwed my uh, March Madness bracket. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. I don't know how they lose to Syracuse, but it is what it is. So. <laughs> I love the the palm trees in the background, man. I it's yeah, it's very San Diego like, right? San Diego esque. Yeah. So for those that don't know, Joey's from San Diego. Yes, uh, the home of probably the largest Comic-Con, um, the San Diego Comic-Con. So something that Kent and I both aspire to to go to. And now that we have a friend in San Diego, we might have to do the Canadian thing where we call up a buddy and we go to a show. So we'll go yeah. see. Yeah, you have to make the trek down now. So For sure. Well, yeah. not right now, but we will eventually. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they canceled this year. So, but hopefully, I'm sure they'll... We'll have it by next next summer. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, Kent, I'll turn it over to you, buddy, to get into some of the questions, and uh, we'll uh, steer behind the scenes. Great. Uh, thanks, Meet. Uh, so, Joey, prior to PCing Upper Deck Goodwin Museum Relics, did you collect sports cards as you were growing up? And if so, who did you collect? I did. So, actually, my first box of cards that I remember getting was uh, in 2008. So, I collected football cards. Uh, that year, I actually got a box of gridiron gear. I don't know if you guys are familiar with you know, Don Russ. I think Don sure, Russ yeah. at the time before Panini. And uh, and so I got a box of gridiron gear and this was in eighth grade, I want to say. And it was a hot box. So it had like an auto or relic in every pack. So that was pretty cool oh, for, wow. <laughs> for my first uh, for my first box to be a hot box. It's like someone winning like the jackpot or something when they first first start to gamble. But uh, but no, I, I collected a lot of Charger players and um, yeah, I still collect a little bit of, little bit of football cards. But, but really kind of deviated and, and went towards the museum relics a, a few years ago. So. Nice, nice. Now, yeah. do you still like PC the Chargers or anything like that, or are you strictly going towards Goodwin? Uh, for the most part, Goodwin. I, I still collect some of the, the San Diego Chargers, so the players that were here before they left. So a lot of the, the Chargers from the 80s, like Fouts and Winslow and, and, uh, oh, nice. and Joyner and stuff like that, yeah. Can you give uh, our audience, for those that are not familiar, can you kind of let our audience know exactly a brief history as to what Goodwin Champions Museum relics are? are? Sure. So the, the first year for Goodwin uh, Museum Collection relics was 2011. And so the 2011 Goodwin Champions product had these, uh, these cards. The first year that they started with this museum collection theme. And what it was essentially is most of them were redemptions. They were too big to fit in the packs. And so that first theme that they had, it wasn't any sort of, it wasn't really a theme. Uh, they had like Abraham Lincoln, piece of Abraham Lincoln's desk. They had piece of the White House wood. They had um, Annie Oakley, piece of her gun, wood from her gun handle. And so it was just a lot of different historical relics and they were redemptions and, and they had, you know, various odds. But suffice to say, those were very tough to get that first year. And then they did have a couple in pack that were just a standard standard size of a card and that was a piece of medical gauze from the spirit of st louis the flight that Lindbergh flew and oh, uh, wow. yeah so that was pretty cool and with that first set it, like i said it wasn't really much of a theme but it was extremely popular and they went for quite a bit on the secondary market now the next year in 2012 couldn't stuck with you know particular theme and they went with the civil war theme and so they had a checklist of about 20 relics and again, these were most of them were oversized, so they were redemptions. But they did have two impact uh, relics, and that was a piece of a Civil War soldier's wallet, and then a piece of a Civil War flag trim. So those were really cool. And uh, the odds for those Civil War relics were to hit a redemption. It was one one in five thousand six hundred twenty-eight packs. So it was it wasn't even a case hit. You'd have to get like several cases to have a chance at, at hitting one of those redemptions. So they're very rare. But essentially what, what Upper Deck has done over the years is they've stuck with particular themes. And each year follows a certain theme. Like I said, Civil War was the first theme year. Then the next year it was Wild West and World War One, And they have you know a checklist with 
a number of relics that stick to that theme. And if you're lucky enough to pull one of those redemptions, then uh, you can redeem it, you know, scratch off or redeem it for, for a museum collection relic. Nice. Nice. So, so, so being a history minor that, that you were uh, at university, one would suppose that these are right up your alley of study. So how did you initially find out about Upper Deck Goodwin's Champion Museum relics? Yeah, so that's a good question. Like the, the first uh, Goodwin Champion box that I actually purchased was at San Diego Comic-Con, oddly enough. Oh, and uh, yeah, so I, I had heard about it from my friend that they had these Civil War relics in the in the box. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I, I bought a box. I didn't hit a redemption uh, for the museum collection, but they were just really neat looking cards. And so from that point on, I started to search eBay and see look for the redemptions and the relics. And, uh, and Upper Deck just does a great job of, of presentation and, and choosing these relics that they put in the cards. It's, it's very nice design. So that, that kind of kick-started at getting that first box back in 2012. Excellent. Amit, you want to carry on with the rest of the questions? I was too busy trying to decipher all the, the crazy noise in the background. It sounds like you're at an amusement park. Yeah, sorry. Is it? Do you want me to find like another spot that's kind of like a little nah, more isolated? No, 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 no. That's the, the whole thing. No, this is cool. Yeah, it's a whole thing about being live. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Is, it's, it's, no, one honestly, will, no one will fall asleep listening to me talk, I guess, right? Definitely not. And then the screaming yeah. girls and children and other guys in the background screaming, whatever they're screaming. It's funny. I was actually trying to make it up while you were talking. Yeah. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I got to get back to here. So anyways, like Kent said, this is live television or live YouTubing. So this is what you get. And this is what makes it fun. I just hope um, you're comfortable with it as well. So uh, going to the back to the questions, so Kent already did a pretty good job asking those questions. So I'm going to actually take it a little bit further. So what is it about the relic pieces that do it for you? Like, what is, how does it feel to have one in hand? Like, I, I want to hear more of the backstory of what, why is the, where's the passion coming from? What makes it work for you? Sure. Yeah. And I, I probably, I didn't answer so much as that, that last question for Kent is related to my studies. And, and so I'll kind of address that as well. I think when you read about something like this in the history books, it's, it's one thing to read about like the battle of Antietam, right? Or it's one thing to read about like gladiators at the Colosseum, but, but to have something, you know, personal, like you mentioned, I, I mean, in your hand and to hold it, it, it almost, it brings you back to that time period. And, and at least for me, I visualize like what these people went through, not even just the soldiers, but I been somebody being like a spectator at the Colosseum and, and just, I don't know, to me, it brings me back and it almost gives you like a glimpse into a whole nother and having these, these small relics, we always think about things on like a macro scale, right? So when we study things from the history books, you hear a lot of the politics of everything, right? And but you don't really get into the so much personal stories of these soldiers and the, in, and the individuals themselves, right? And how it affected them and what they were motivated to to kind of to sign up, maybe if it was a draft or, or they volunteered. And so when you have something like a button or a um, an ambro type or a piece of a, a soldier's wallet, it, it gets very personal. And so you can kind of almost make a connection with with some of these individuals like on a personal level i don't know and maybe it sounds strange but it kind of brings me back to that time period i totally i don't think it's strange at all so i mean the part of the the fascination when i was picking up those redemption pieces was when i was looking at the lapel which you own now which is funny just so everyone's aware i had a, a lapel which i thought was didn't fit in my collection i eventually traded to kent and now that's with uh, joey so i'm glad it's in a in a good home but when I held it, I, I couldn't help it. I was like, what was this guy thinking? Like, he's getting shelled, shot at, right? That, yeah. that kind of thing. And then the other thing was, um, you know, taking that a step further, like even some cards I own, like sports cards. I'll look at like an old vintage card, and I'm wondering how many hands has been holding this card before I did, right? Not the ones that are pack pulled, but the number of things I've actually held that someone else has held. Um, and even taking that one step further, I take that same thought process with uh, PSA cards. I actually look at the serial number and I wonder, hey, am I the first one with the PSA card? Or did someone have it before me? And sometimes you'll see that. So there's a, there's a common thread that binds all of this together. So I'm really glad that you picked up on that. And yes, I do I do wonder often like what happened. And I just like, in my mind's eye, I have a lot of... Uh, respect for people in the military and people who've gone to war and, and just the, the battle scars. And I appreciate what they've done so we can have the freedom we have. Um, 
And one thing for everyone who's watching, uh, where uh, Joey is from is uh, in San Diego. You can actually go on the Midway. So there's a, a, a retired aircraft carrier out there. I spent a half day on it. It was awesome. So I highly recommend that. Looks like Joey, you froze a bit. So you, you still oh, sorry. there? Yeah. Can you guys? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Cool. So I want to get into more the actual theme of your relics because, like I said, I'm fascinated that I actually that I learned that there's someone out there who collects Goodwin champions as passionately as you do. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Goodwin relics as passionately as you do. So I want to start off with the World War One stuff because, and just for everyone's aware, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. So the themes pretty much are World War One. Civil War and Wild Wild West is what Joey goes after. There are many other themes, but we're going to concentrate on those right now. So I want to get into World War One because I'm a World War II guy. You're a World War One guy. So I want to hear from you. Why World War One? What do you like about it? And what what does it for you? Sure. So uh, for me, it's it's World War One. Seems like it doesn't get talked about quite enough, uh, and, and I think it gets overshadowed quite a bit from World War Two. You know, I'm not sure what it is because for me, I, I find it more interesting. Maybe it's because for World War II, you have this classic. The, the line is pretty much drawn for, for good versus evil, and it doesn't seem so much that way with World War One, right? So this guy, this Austrian is assassinated, and so everybody's allies with – these countries are allied with each other, and then everyone kind of jumps in. And that was kind of the, the spark that ignited World War One when Franz Ferdinand was assassinated. But, but really – you have a lot of other players in World War One, and this is another reason why, as to why I enjoy the Great War, is you have countries like uh, Turkey, which was at that point, you know, the uh in World War One and fought valiantly against the the Turks, and so you have a lot of unsung heroes, I think, in that in the Great War. And for me, it's also the fact that it's, it's trench warfare, right? It's really gritty. It's this first war where we start to see where uh, the, the rise of, of technology is really kind of overpowered, is overpowering in a sense. And so strategy is, I, I think, reliant, for example, if you talk about the Civil War or the Spanish-American War kind of at the end of the 19th century, strategy is very much, you know, a part of those wars but now it seems like you can strategize as much as you want but it just became a war of attrition in world war one just constantly people getting um massacred from the the machine gun fire and and it was it was devastating i think it's very shocking that that initial shock because what happened is with with the evolution of modern warfare this was the first real group of soldiers that kind of was faced with this brutal technology unfortunately and so uh when when you kind of consider all things trench warfare, you have uh, airplanes really here in the U.S. Uh, the Wright brothers wasn't too much before the Civil War. I want to say it was like 1903 when they took their first flight, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around there. And so and mostly used for reconnaissance in World War One. but you have dogfights, right? You have the Red Baron, and so ace pilots and stuff like that. And so there's a lot that comes out of that first war that maybe kind of gets a little overshadowed. You have blood transfusion, so many medicine medical uh, advancements that also occurred in that first world war. So that was kind of like a long drawn out answer, but I, I hope that it answers it. Uh, hope that I answered it well enough as to why I kind of enjoy that more than maybe world war two or some of these later wars. For sure. And we'll show uh, some of your relics uh, in a bit. I have one of your screenshots here, but we'll get to it, but I definitely can appreciate world war. I can appreciate world war two history and, and world war one history. Just like you mentioned, I think world war two history is more the finesse and how they militarily tried to win the war. Right. And then psychology behind it. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in world war one, I, I think they were still trying to now, this may not be a popular opinion, but they were trying to perfect the military might. So there's a lot of issues. For example, you know, uh, the type of garment you were wearing, instead of wearing red, they went to camouflage, like stuff like right. that they learned through, actually through s severe trials and tribulations. That's um, a great point, yeah. Like stuff like that. And, and the reason why I like World War II is it is talked about more. There are more books, there are more stories, it's more fresh. People wrote about it more. Mm -hmm. um, it was actually like, and it came in a time where you could, there was more documentation, right? That you could, people were documenting more. Um, sure. 
But it's a, it was an interesting war from that perspective. And of course, with all wars, it's terrible to hear and read about, but it's fascinating that things got to that level and so out of hand that that happened. Um, unfortunately, I don't have any World War relics, but I want to definitely call that out. And we're going to go to my favorite part. So I'm a Civil War historian. I wouldn't say historian. I enjoy it. I'm not an expert. Um, I soak up anything I can get on World War history, anything I can get on Civil War history, and I got addicted to Ken Burns' Netflix show on the Civil War, which was, if anybody hasn't watched it, hands down, best Civil War documentary I've ever watched, and fairly balanced, like evenly evenly split in terms of how he tells the story. So, you had the pleasure of showing up some Civil War relics uh, uh, on Sunday, but I want you to get into why the Civil War, what do you like about it, and what does it for you? Yeah, that, no, that's a good question. So for me, it's the classic answer that kind of a lot of people will say it's brother against brother. It's like a part uh, of this nation's history that was at its most divided, right, tearing apart at the fabric. And so what I find kind of most fascinating about Civil War history is that if you kind of rewind the clocks back a little bit before the Civil War, so 18, 1846 to 1848, that was the Mexican-American War, right? And so you have a lot of, of generals that really uh, – kind of started to gain footing and, and gain recognition in that war. And then you have 1848 is when the end of, of the Mexican-American War happened. So 13 years after that, they're fighting against each other. And so it, it's just fascinating to see that that division happening in, in such a short period of time. Uh, so, for example, Robert E. Lee uh, actually gained recognition in the Mexican-American War. You have Ulysses S. Grant as well. And you know, one of the cool stories, a little anecdote that I had uh, – heard while watching this documentary was uh, we were talking in one of my courses. It was actually uh, history. It was American history from the beginning to the reconstruction. And so we were, we were actually talking about the civil war and we were trying to figure out, you know, what kind of, uh, what kind of strategies were maybe a little bit undervalued during that period, that period of warfare. And so one of them, which I believe was, was kind of, an understanding of some of these uh, was, was superior's understanding of their soldiers from the Mexican-American War. So there's a story where during the Mexican-American War, uh, Robert E. Lee, actually George McClellan, who was a Union general, was under Robert E. Lee during the Mexican-American War. And they're by the campfire, and, and McClellan mentions, he, he says, they had just lost a lot of men in, in this battle that they had previously fought. And McClellan says, you know, talking to Lee, wouldn't it be great if we can win a battle without losing so many men? And so Lee says, you know, unfortunately, you know, that's the that's the way of war. You know, nobody wants, you know, your soldiers, your fellow soldiers and your friends to die, but but it comes at a cost to, to win these strategic uh, points. And so w when you look 13, fast forward 13 years, and Lee has command of the, of the Confederate Army, and he knows how to play these Union soldiers, he knows how to strategize against them because he knows that McClellan's someone who's conservative, who doesn't, who really loves his men and is right down there on the front lines with his men, right? And so there's this, there's this battle, um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was the Battle of Antietam, right? And uh, the, the Union wins, but didn't, McClellan didn't uh, chase after Lee's army, right? The Army of Northern Virginia. And Lincoln was highly frustrated and this is a common theme during the Civil War throughout for, for the Union, right? Constantly cycling through new generals because Lincoln is frustrated with the, the conservative nature of some of these generals, right? And so I think it, during that battle, uh, Lee had actually split his army, which something at West Point, they tell you to never do, never divide your army because if they, they flank you, you're, you're pretty much screwed. But Lee, knowing that he's facing McClellan, who's someone who doesn't want to lose his own men, it's just brilliant to me to think of that strategy of knowing you know knowing your uh, your fellow soldiers it's it's brilliant yeah it's it is it's definitely fascinating and uh, even though that's a very serious topic for some reason my mind went to knowing other people who collect cards and i'm like hmm how do i how strategize them so yeah. there's, there's all kinds of methods but yeah going back to so i can understand and appreciate with you like when uh you're looking at civil war history and like i said mm -hmm. You showed us a piece the other day. I don't know if it's actually here. Let me just double check. Is that in here? I don't think it's in that picture. It's not in this picture. So uh, Joey has a piece. Next time we do the we do the show, yeah. we'll do it at a point where you can do it from your home. Yeah. Um, so a piece that. of the uh, the flag, and it has the star. Mm -hmm. 
And that yeah. mind boggles me because I can, when I hold it, I was not holding it, when I look at it, I'm like, I can appreciate it because, you know, that was something they flew back then. Yep. And my my bucket list item, this will never happen. And I would love to find in someone's yard sale an old flag that's been preserved year over year because those things are worth a crap ton of money and it's just cool history sure. and significance. Um, yeah. So what I'll do at this point, just before, actually, you know, I can't. Why don't we go into the uh, Wild Wild West? Uh, Joey, can you explain the Civil War piece that you showed us? What it is actually, and how big it is, just to give the idea, the, yeah. the audience so, an idea. Yeah, the Civil War flag, or yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it's probably like uh, I don't know about this big. It's a five by seven piece, and what Upper Deck did was they got a hold of a um, a flag that was in pretty rough shape, and so they were able to kind of salvage. I don't know, maybe 12 or 13 total stars. I think at that time there was probably 35 stars on the on the Union flag. But I think there were maybe around 12 or 13, maybe 14 stars that they were able to still extract in good condition. And so, uh, yeah, it's, what it essentially is is the, the blue background and, and the white stars. And mine has a little bit of tearing uh, on the uh, on the star, but uh, to me, and staining as well, but that kind of gives it character. If it looked perfect, then I'd be a little suspicious, so. Yeah, no, it's an awesome piece. Yeah. When you showed us those, it was like, wow, that, that's an awesome piece. Yeah, thanks. So, well, dude, Kent, why don't we get into the Wild Wild West piece, and then sure, I perfect. can show Joey's pieces on, uh, on on the screen share. So, Joey, you want to give us a, a bit of a history and breakdown of the Wild Wild West? Sure. Uh, so, yeah. So, in twenty, so the year after the Civil War relics, they did the the Wild Wild West. So, in that set, they had. Quite a bit of playing cards, which were pretty cool. You know, 19th century playing cards. They had some poker chips as well. They had uh, some gambling counters. They had a Chinese gambling counter, which is one of the relics that I have. I like that one a lot. Um, and probably my favorite from the Wild Wild West was a, um, a calendar page from 1876. So I think oh. it's in that Twitter photo. Um, so once you guys pull that up, you can kind of get a glimpse of it. But what it, it's it's pretty big i'd say it's like an 11 by 14 overall the calendar page isn't that big but uh it's 11 by 14 the whole the entire relic um see at the bottom right there yeah uh go up one actually up one shelf uh i guess it's the whole sh uh, up one shelf oh sorry it's, a, it's on the right side but second to bottom shelf right below there oh, right, right there, there. Yeah. yep right there. yeah okay yeah so yeah. that's a um a calendar page from 1876 so it's the 1876 was a centennial right the 100th anniversary of america and i actually got lucky so there were 12 you have the 12 months of the year of course and then i when you redeem these relics it's just a random a random uh one that you get which i kind of like that because it's pretty interesting you don't know what you get until it till it arrives at your door but that i actually got lucky and got the month of july and it has a depiction of the announcement of the declaration of independence so i was pretty oh, happy oh to get that one of, of all the months i was pretty stoked to get july so um each of those months actually because it was a centennial calendar had different depictions of famous uh events from the american revolution and so even if you got something like january february there were there's some really cool pieces but july i was i was very happy with and uh it's interesting because i'm pretty sure that's my old red lapel isn't that the yep, one that, that I is yep, yep. yep so it's very rare Forget any, forget trading cards. Forget any genre. It's very rare that when I I know where my cards end up, right? I know who I sell it to and they're traded to, and I don't know where it goes. But it's really amazing that one piece I personally pulled, I traded it to Kent, and now it's with you. Is actually in your display case. That makes me feel um, really good to see that because I know that you're passionate about it and you love it, um, and you're displaying it. And uh, I, I want to give you kudos for a good setup and, and setup here. It's really nice. Yeah, thanks. I'm, well, I'm happy to have it, and I'm again. I'm I'm glad that you guys were able to trade it back and forth so that it can it can go in my collection. But uh, but yeah, it won't ever leave my collection, so you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about me selling it or anything like that. Well, it's it's good because for people who don't know this collection very well, there are no top loaders for this stuff. This no. is this is it. No. The way yeah. you get it and the way Upper Deck ships it, it's it's like bubble wrap. Inside of another bubble wrap, inside of another cardboard box, inside of a bubble wrap, inside of another cardboard box. So it looks like you're getting a really big gift. That's mm -hmm. like, um, <laughs> why don't you take a minute yeah. to kind of go through some of the stuff here on your shelf? Sure. So if Let's we start, start at the, start up there. Okay. So 
the left is a button right there. It actually is a little, if you give me one second, I'm going to pull it up and see which one that is because it's, okay, that's a U.S. artillery button from World War One on the left. Yeah. And then on the right there, you have British officer pips. They're called P-I-P-S. So those are, are some pretty neat. They're almost like a, a pin. It's kind of like a diagonal looking piece there uh, from World War One. And if you go to the, the shelf just below it, sorry, one second. If you go to the um, the shelf just below it, mm -hmm. start with, then you yeah. have the there are three relics there on the left. It's a U.S. aviation sleeve insignia. So again, I like that they they actually had a, a U.S. aviation or any aviation piece in, in World War One because, like we talked about with flying aces, so they paid tribute to that with Red Baron, and you have Eddie Rickenbacker for the for the United States. Uh, so that was that's a pretty cool piece. Uh, to the to the right of it is in the middle there is a German gas mask lens. It's actually still in the wrapper. That yellow relic, okay. the yellow piece. Oh, here, so that's, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. Uh, so of course it wasn't used, but I, I find it pretty cool that it's still one in the wrappers. You know, something that was produced and just stored away. That, that's pretty cool in my mind. Uh, and on the right there, to the right of that, you have a German uh, soldier ID tag. Huh. Yep. And then moving. You want to just continue down? Oh, yeah, we can go over to the right. That's an uh, that's an Iron German Iron Cross from World War One. So wow. that's that's pretty unique. That's actually on its own. Uh, it's like seventy five to one hundred and twenty five dollars. It kind of ranges on the low end, seventy five, higher end, one twenty five, one fifty. So I was pretty happy that Upper Deck actually included one of those on the checklist. Um, so that was cool. That was one of the tougher relics to got. I got there to get. And to the right of that, of course, is on that uh, German artillery shoulder strap. Yeah, that was uh, that's the one that I, I'm still smiling. I'm glad to see you have it. Uh, yeah. It was better than me having it inside a box, not knowing what to do with it. So it's cool yeah. to see that here. Sure. Um, and just for everyone who's watching, it's pretty neat to look at this thing. I've said this several times. But I'll just I'll let Joey do the honors here. It's about him, not me. Um, why don't we go to the third shelf? Okay, third shelf. Um, so do you want to go right below it or? Or to the Civil uh, War. You, you covered the, the oh, calendar. Covered, Maybe go to the other one. So the other side there is a Union Ambrotype from the Civil War. That's that's almost as personal as it gets, right? So you have a picture of, of someone who fought in the Civil War. I really like that piece a lot. I actually bought that piece from someone in Canada. I bought it on eBay and it came in. The location was in Canada. And really? uh, to, yeah. to the right of that is a Union Infantry hat pin. So it's a, actually, if you can tell, it's be a little bit difficult to tell but it's a, essentially a bugle and that was kind of worn right on the cap uh for for infantry now cavalry had cross swords as their as their design uh, oh, and there right. is a, yeah you're right that's right yes there is a cavalry hat pin as well and on the checklist i've never had a chance to get one i did find someone uh on another site with it but they wanted they wanted something crazy i just couldn't couldn't afford it they wanted like close to a thousand dollars for it. i just i couldn't find myself paying that much but i do want to find the cavalry hat pin hopefully from, from someone else because uh, it'd be cool to have the pair you know and, uh, and what do and we have at the bottom here so at the very bottom those are so those are called epaulets they're shoulder pieces you know one on each shoulder yeah and those are from the mexican-american war actually that we talked about uh so for me those those pieces are huge i mean they're probably like i'd say 14 by 14 over a foot each side. It's a very big oh, wow. piece. Yeah. And, um, and being in, from San Diego, there's so much more history on the East coast as far as like American military history, you know, starting from 1776, but to have a piece from the Mexican American war is pretty cool to me since it's not far from, from where I live. Uh, Escondido is about an hour away from, from where I'm from. And uh, that's where you have uh, San Pasqual, Battle of San Pasqual, which Kit Carson, you know, famous frontiersman and trapper was involved in, and uh, as well as John C. Fremont. So a lot of California history here uh, as a result of, of the Mexican-American War. Awesome. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll stop screen sharing. So thank you for taking us through that. Sure. Um, next time you come on, we'll go through the, the live view because I want everyone to see that yeah. flag. That was uh, the thing I want to, to show more than ever. Yeah. Um, so... Sorry, Kent, you were going to, there was another part to your question. I apologize. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, go ahead, Amit. It's good. So uh, how many, what are your top three favorite pieces right now? Yeah, that's a good question. So my top three are, I think the flag might be, might be my number one. 
I really like the flag and I'm sorry I couldn't show you guys like in person, but I'm sure when you guys have me back on, I'll, uh, we'll do yeah. it from, from home and I'll show that it's just much better to see it close up. The flag is my number one piece. Uh, number two is probably the, the epaulets from the Mexican American war. I really sure. like, because the cool thing about those is I actually, so I, the fact that I have both, I was lucky to find both. So I redeemed a ton of redemptions from, uh, those were from 2017 Goodwin. And I actually had uh, World War II as well as the Mexican-American War. So the Mexican-American War was a smaller set. There was only like four different relics. They had like a button, the, that shoulder piece, uh, and then a, a larger piece of the the soldier's uh, tunic with a button included, and then like a star piece, not of a flag, but of the uniform. And so I redeemed so many because I really like, you know, being, like I said, with the battles being close to where I am, I just went crazy and I bought way too many redemptions and then i got this giant box from upper deck i mean it was huge and when it came in and i'm like whoa i, I know i ordered quite a bit but and that was at the bottom and they packaged it so well and i'm like wow and then fast forward like about six months later someone lists the other one on ebay and i'm like oh i have to i have to have this so i snatched it up and i'm so glad that both of them uh are in my collection and uh yeah awesome yeah. Oh, sorry. So those were two. I think I only gave you two, the star and the epaulette. Yeah. And then the third is probably the, the World War One Iron Cross. I really like that one. Yeah, for Sherman sure. Iron yeah. Cross. That's yeah. a nice piece too. Awesome. So how many pieces do you own in total right now? So I have uh, 43. 43 jumbo relics. And then I have about, let's see, six. Seven. I had eight. I want to say at least eight of the smaller, like, impacts. So I have... Uh, I have a Civil War soldier's wallet. I have um, a piece of flag from uh, a piece of a British flag that was flown on the uh, Lord Horatio Nelson's ship. And then I have about six of these smaller booklet cards from the uh, the Mexican-American War. And I think that's it for the smaller ones. But I have 43 jumbo relics. Mostly 21 are World War One, six Civil War, six Mexican-American War. Um, I have about three of the Apollo film slides, six of the wild west. I have, I have quite a bit, but I, I counted the other day. It was like 43. So. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, Kent, you want to go with the next one? I think I took quite one of your questions. <laughs> I'm uh, near the 50 mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are, are you still on the hunt for any certain museum relics for your PC right now? Like you do, that you're aware of that are out there that you could use for your PC? Oh, Joey, Joey, did you hear my question? Sorry, hold on. I'm going to move over to this next table and see if I can get a little bit closer. Sure, no problem. Okay. Sorry, say that again, Kent. I was going to say, are you still on the hunt for certain museum relics that you know that are out oh, there that you can use for your PC? Yeah, great question. Um, I can hear a lot better now. This is a much better spot, too. So the, I've been fortunate and found, like, a lot of the ones that I wanted. That star is actually the la the most recent one that I found that I was, like, that I really, I didn't think my collection was would be quite complete until I found that one. It's still not, yeah. like, in my mind complete, but I was so happy to have that. But there are a few others that I really would like to find. So from World War One, it's a German black wound badge. I only think there are a few out there. It's actually a smaller piece it's still an, an oversized jumbo relic but it's a it's a small black like oval shaped pin and it oh. has the um a german german helmet and i believe it has like two swords as well i've never seen one hit ebay and believe me i check like constantly i have the save search so i know anytime anything new pops up so that's one from world war one uh as well as there's an iron cross uh, not an iron cross an honor cross from world war one as well, this on the checklist, uh, and the the Group A relic from World War One is the uh, piece of Zeppelin wire. So one of the oh, German cool. Zeppelins that was shot down, cool. and the Red Cross, the British Red Cross, actually sold pieces of that wire from the the German Zeppelin they shot down to raise money for the victims. And and so I thought that was a really unique piece. But I'm not sure if I'll ever see that. That might be a one of one. I, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, that one I'd like to have. And then. Uh, for the most part, yeah, World War One are, are a lot of the the Wild West had a card holdout, so something that you put up your sleeve as a gambler, and you can kind oh, of yeah. switch out a, a card with another card. So I've never seen any of those, and that would be really cool. 
and then I guess another one would be uh, the, the gold from the Wild West. One of the oversized redemptions was a um, had it was actually really cool. So they they like glued the gold piece to the back of the the card there, and then there was okay. also gravel gravel in it as well. And so you can kind of so you can tilt if you lifted it vertically, all the the uh, the soil and the gravel, the little pebbles would fall to the to the bottom, and the gold would stay stuck to the back. So it, you can kind of like oh, go like that and tilt it. I never, I saw one of those and I'm kicking myself because I never, I, it was on bids and I missed the chance to bid on. I forgot about it. It ended. And um, I think there are quite a few of those out there, but those are just an example of, of a few of the, of the ones that I'd like to add. Yeah. Still to my collection. Nice. So uh, once you decided that you were going to be PCing these Goodwin Relic cards <laughs> in the beginning, so did you buy as many as you could get your hand on or were you being very selective of how you approached it? Sure. So at the beginning it was, kind of buying what I can get my hands on. Um, and they're a little bit pricey. Like, so the redemptions range from like 150 to 200. And then usually it doesn't go much less than a hundred. It depends on all on the, on the theme as well. And so with, with them being, you know, 150 to $200 per redemption, it, it's tough to kind of collect a bunch of them, right. At, at the same time. And, uh, but and then again, it varies if you don't buy the redemption and one just the actual relic that someone redeemed pops up. It all just depends on the relic. But at the time, I was just trying to snatch up whichever ones I could. And and even now today, I wouldn't say I still kind of look for a, a lot of them, but I'm a little more selective just because uh, I have quite, quite a few of them now. And so if I don't find one that I really I would like to add, then I kind of save my money and, and think, okay. For the next one that may pop up that i'd have to really spend a little bit more on so i'm a little more selective now but it, it, when at the start i was kind of just snatching up whatever i could but uh but yeah these these are tough because it's just so different from sports cards it's sure. and it's kind of nice to collect both because you get you get the pros and cons of both right and then you can kind of say you you get to learn a little bit about the market for these cards and, and compare them to sports cards it's tough. These kind of dry up once they go in people's collections. It's not so much like a sports card where the player maybe has a bad year and his value goes down. Right. So these always pretty much consistently hold their value. And so with that being said, once they go into someone's collection, it's, you probably aren't going to see it again. And so that's why you kind of have to snatch these up when you get the, when you get the opportunity. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Now, now, now a lot of the jumbo relic pieces for these museum sets each year via redemption, as you know, and you mentioned it earlier too. But have you, have you ever had a chance to talk to or sit down and talk to Upper Deck about possibly acquiring the ones that don't get redeemed? Because they could be just sitting in their inventory. Sure. So, no, you know, I haven't talked to them about that. But what Upper Deck's really good about is they are pretty cool about if you have an expired redemption and that's still available, like in their. I don't know, warehouse or whatever, then they're pretty good about honoring it even a year after uh, the date because it's different from like sports cards, right? So maybe some of the sports cards, like if they're autographs and stuff like that, or relics that were redemptions, they may be a part of the redemption raffle or, or something like that at the national. But with these relics being like oversized and, and jumbo, right. I, mm. I think they, from what I understand, they probably, um, they keep them. And then if, even if you get an expired redemption, they'll, they'll honor it as long as they have it. Uh, because I saw someone from like 2015 get a uh, expired redemption for the Civil War and they honored it. And so they still had it in the warehouse. They still had one. So that's pretty cool on them. They're pretty good with customer service. And uh, yeah, so if anybody out there does get one that's expired, I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask them, you know, if, if it's still out there. The only reason why it possibly wouldn't be is because uh, with these relics, some of the time, if they're heavier, uh, relics like for example with the wild west they had a, um, a railroad spike and that thing was extremely cool. heavy and a lot of them it was a really cool concept but i i got i redeemed one of them myself and it broke the backing because it was just too heavy and uh and so what they oh, do yeah. is they'll have, they'll have to replace it with another one and so possibly if it's like years later and all the replacements kind of fill up the then there's probably not going to be any left but um but yeah if you get an expired redemption you can always check with them they're pretty they're really good with their customer service so in other words, in a long winded answer, I also, I, I don't want to necessarily contact them and ask it to, to be able to acquire any of them. Cause that wouldn't be fair if someone else had like a redemption and then someone bought them, you know, another collector also bought them, uh, from them. Uh, so yeah, but that's a good question. 
So we have a, a collector with ethics. I, I love hearing yeah, that. Yeah, the same thing. A collector with ethics. Very good. Very That's, good. Uh, really cool to hear. Um, and it's actually neat that, and just so everyone is aware, and the people who watch this video, like, you know, I, we hear enough negativity about Upper Deck customer service. Yeah. So here's a oh, plus really? one. Yeah, there's oh, a. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of negativity in our hobby in general. Huh. Um, yeah. I think, if anything, we're the the echo chambers are more uh, louder now because of the investment angle. So people mm -hmm. are being more boisterous on their their negativity. So right. part of the reason why we did this channel, uh -huh. this show, was to get away from that. Like we're not, yeah. we're focusing on the good, and I don't want to talk. We don't want to talk about the negativity. So right. I'm glad that you're you're being positive in in that regard. Uh, yeah. regard sorry. So, so, Joey, both you and Amit have something in common, as the both of you have been featured in Upper Deck's blog. So how did it feel for you that Upper Deck was going to be doing an article on you and your collection? Yeah, that was really cool. So I, I had posted that video on, on Twitter. So this is just like a short clip of my collection. And I'll have to post it again. I think I delete. I did, sometimes delete a lot of the, the stuff, like the media and stuff, once it gets all clogged up. But I, I posted a cool short clip and then tagged Upper Deck and quite a few people liked it. It was, it was like a positive, uh, reception and they, and then their Twitter reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, would you be interested in, in kind of doing a short article like where you talk about some of the favorite aspects of your collection? I mean, you know, basically essentially why you got into collecting the museum relics and things of that nature. And so I, I was like, of course, I'd be happy to. And, uh, so I did a, a short write up and, and they posted on their blog. So it was cool because again, it just goes back to upper Deck's customer service. They're really, uh, it's, it's unfortunate that a lot of people complain. I mean, there's going to be people that complain about a lot of things, right? You don't really hear much about the, about the positive side of things because usually if you're happy with it, then there's nothing to really say. But um, but yeah, Upper Deck's really good about reaching out and and uh, and kind of showcasing the the hard work of, of these collectors and, and their passions through the hobby. Amit, do you want to tell the audience what you're so, free for? Yeah, yeah I'm interested so in hearing I, that. Uh, yeah, I actually didn't think to look it up, but yeah, so we do have something in common. So I collect Upper Deck Game Use, SP Game Use Supreme patches. They're like, okay. uh, it's, a, it's a traditional card type, but it's a large window with a, a piece of the jersey or crest. Mm -hmm. uh, I, at one point, I used to have over four 400 of them. Um, however, uh, in my old age and in my, I realized I don't need, you know, for example, I had uh, nine of the Patrick Sharps. They're out of 12 out of 15, and I was getting my hoarding was getting out of control. Um, there's a reason why I have a blanket hiding this stuff because I have too much back there, and I'm trying to not be embarrassed by what I have. So <laughs> I started thinning out the collection and selling off pieces. There's a very good friend of mine that developed a good relationship, similar to how you said you, you found other collectors who collect Goodwin. I found some collectors who collect Supremes, and uh, I decided to contact them, and some of them took the cards off my hand. So I'm glad they went to good homes. Yeah. So yeah, we have that in common. So that's that's definitely very cool. Yeah, right on. Then what I'll do right now, I'm gonna show everyone this clip. Now I've never done a video clip on here, so I'm gonna hopefully this works. So let me try. And for those of you on podcast, I apologize, but um, let me see if this works. The furthest outpost on the old frontier of the West will be the furthest outpost on the new frontier of science and space. Great British explorer George Mallory, who was to die on Mount Everest, was asked why did he want to climb it. He said because it is there, and space is there, and the moon and the planets are there. And new hopes for knowledge and peace are there. And therefore, as we set sail, we ask God's blessing on the most hazardous and dangerous and greatest adventure on which man has ever embarked. The exploration of space will go ahead, whether we join in it or not. And it is one of the great adventures of all time. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high cost and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are, other than rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, 
This country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. Why some say the moon? Why choose this without the moon? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 years ago? Why the Atlantic? Why did Christ play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to oppose, and one we intend to win. So that was a really cool piece you put together that Upper Deck noticed. Um, it was really well done. It's very inspirational. Um, there's a couple of things I want to show. It's a, it's, it's a very good segue into the passion or hobby because you clearly put together a video to talk about it, right? And you showed your <laughs> relic. And I love how you segued your relic into space exploration. The other neat thing about this is when you shared the video with us, so my dad, I bring my dad a lot, my late dad a lot into these conversations because I, I it reminds me of certain things he he did. Um, he was in India at the time or Africa at the time, and he had a picture of John F. Kennedy on his his mantle. Like he didn't, my dad was not the type of guy to put pictures of anyone, mm -hmm. but he had Kennedy on his mantle. This just shows how far reaching uh, the space exploration program and how far reaching, you know times were back then and how far he could reach when there was no TV to show everyday occurrences, right? So, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's really neat. So I give you kudos for, for doing that and that was really well done and you should uh, consider that for more of your pieces. Thank you, yeah. The, uh, so, the fun Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead, please. I, I was just going to say the, uh, the, the, the funny story about that is there was this, uh, this contest called the uh, Cinema Space Contest in Houston. And so essentially what it is, is you, anybody that wants to kind of create a video, they have access to NASA archives. Uh, it's, it's all free and you can piece together and kind of edit your own uh, video and then send it in for submission. So I, I kind of threw that thing together. It took me a while to edit. And so it's all various clips, right? Mainly the backdrop is Kennedy's, we choose to go to the moon's speech. And, uh, and I took a lot of things and tried to kind of piece together this flash forward going back to, to the Apollo mission, right? Saturn five rocket, and then looking ahead to, to the Artemis mission, which is going to uh, bring us back to the moon, hopefully 2024 at the earliest. But uh, so trying to kind of show a, a little bit of a clip of where we've been and where we're going uh, for the future and then kind of tie the museum relics into it. So for someone as young as you, you have a lot of uh, wisdom beyond your years. It's, it's actually quite, I'm actually, I'm gonna. Uh, it's true, actually, Kent. I am an old guy now. I've got white in my beard. I'm in my. I got two young kids, um, and I hope they have half the amount of like passion you do and the, the wherewithal to do this kind of stuff. So, uh, I think it's awesome. Keep doing it, and you're giving me a lot of hope for the younger generation. Like, and you're not the only one. I've met others who are equally as driven. So, keep up that. Uh, that could work. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Actually. So, me, do you want to ask Joey what is what he's going to be going into or trying to get into, education-wise? Yeah, yeah. You actually, why don't you tell the crowd about that? Sure. So I, I'm really fascinated with space medicine. I'm really interested in in how space flight affects you know astronaut physiology. And so I my degree was in biology from San Diego State, and I'm actually going to be applying again to um, some PhD programs this next cycle. Like I said, I was waiting to hear back from the University of Virginia, so I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but I'm certainly going to be trying again this next cycle. And uh, my research, like, interest is kind of focused on uh, how spaceflight affects human uh, human health, uh, particularly with, you know, the vasculature. So we've had, we've been having a lot of problems with, uh, with astronauts spending, ex you know, extended durations on the International Space Station with, with their vision. And so right now, scientists believe that to be the result of this, you know, the additional fluid shift towards the head that occurs when uh, we're in microgravity. And so 
that's kind of just one of the, the issues, the hurdles that we kind of have to understand quite a bit more about before we continue to extend the boundaries of space exploration, right? So if we're going to go to Mars, uh, getting back to the moon isn't much of an issue, but extending our boundaries and reaching Mars, that's it's a much bigger trek. And so the last thing we need is, is to have, you know, not as much of an understanding as we wish we would have heading into it and have things have things occur on the way there before we even get there. And so I, I think what's cool is for, at least for scientists, it seems to me that our, our kind of, at least our job is doing the research and, and finding out, okay, what can we do to at least gain a much better understanding of these risks and maybe perhaps if, if possible, mitigate these risks, bring them down, you know, as low as we can so that that leap of faith is worth taking, right? That, that journey to Mars is worth taking. And so again, it's just understanding as much as we can, potential, potentially developing countermeasures so that that next leap is worth it. I can't so, wait till we see uh, Mars rover relics. Actually, the upper deck can do a lot with those things in the future. So there's a, uh, it's a sky. The sky is wide open. Oh, sorry, pardon the pun. The sky is wide open. Anyways, uh, that was that was poorly done, but I just I didn't do it on purpose. Okay. Um, <laughs> there, there's a couple of things that you uh, you brought up earlier, and you kind of answered it already. So I'm going to skip a couple of questions we asked. Like you asked if you're a completionist. I think the answer is yes. You are a completionist. Yeah. Um, the one thing we didn't answer, what I'd like to get into is how, like, what's the most difficult pieces that you've had to try to acquire? Like, you didn't really get into that one as much. So I wanted to talk about sure. that. So, so for me, the tougher pieces to, to try to acquire were the ones that I kind of missed the, the opportunity when, when they first came out. So, for example, I mentioned that I, I bought that box of 2012 Goodwin. Uh, but that, that was actually, I bought the box in 2013. So it wasn't, that, that first year, it wasn't shortly after the release because it was the summer of the following year. And, um, and so I missed that initial wave of relics uh, from 2012, right? So typically it seems like Goodwin's released around uh, June or July. It, seemed, it was earlier this, this past, past couple of years, but around mm -hmm. June, July, maybe August. And so for several months, and right when the product comes out, you'll see a lot of those redemptions up on eBay, right? Or you'll see the relics after they get redeemed up on eBay. But but after a certain period, after like a few months, it becomes really difficult. Like I said, once they go into collectors uh, stashes, they don't usually come out. And so I missed the wave on, on 2012. And for me, those were the toughest, the, the Civil War relics. And there's a funny story about the, the star flag is that in 2014, so two years after that product release, there was one that went up on bids on eBay for a relatively good price. The person didn't title it very well. So that was like to my advantage. And I didn't have like a whole lot of money at the time. And I reached out to the person and said, Hey, would you be interested in trading? And they said, Oh, this, you know, this is on consignment, but if it doesn't sell, we'll let you know. And maybe the person would be interested. So I was trying to trade like football for it. Right. Well, I forgot about it. Well, I didn't really forget. Essentially I didn't have the money and it sold and it sold for like just one bid starting bid. It ended up going for four fifty, and those stars went between seven and 900 when the product came out. So 450 was a pretty damn good deal. And I was kicking myself years later because I, I never had the opportunity. They just didn't pop up again, right? So one pops up, this was back in 2018. They wanted 1200 for it. And I just didn't, I really wanted the star. And I was trying to work with the person. I was trying to, I came up to like eight, trying to pay, you know, eight. Did you take a, they were stuck on a, a thousand, I think was like the lowest I wanted to go. And I said, you know, thanks. I just don't want to, I don't have that kind of money to spend on it right now. Like eight was a max and everything. What ended up happening was, and I know this is a longer story, but it, it gets really cool near the end. So someone bought it for 1200. It wasn't even make offer out. I, I was just messaging, right? That's why I had gotten to the eight and they were saying a thousand. So someone bought it outright for 1200. I was like, well, I probably won't see another one, one of those again. Fast forward a few months after that, someone who lives about 20 minutes from literally 20 minutes from me in this area called Ramona, here in San Diego, uh, and saw I had a couple of my doubles that I listed, a couple extras. One from the civil, one was a Civil War naval button, the other was an Italian submarine pin, and they wanted to do a deal in person, so we didn't have to go through the eBay fees and all that stuff, right? So I'm like, sure, we made a deal, we met up, uh, and this guy was paying like top dollar for these, right? And so normally I only sell doubles, and again these were doubles. He was paying top dollar, and I always, if I have a chance to do that, 
I put that towards, you know, another relic in my collection. And he's mentioning, hey, you know, I, I bought this. I bought several of these relics. He says, I bought this Civil War flag star. He thought it was a one of one. So this is the guy that purchased the star for 1200 right? And I said, you know, if you ever decide to let it go, let me know. Uh, just this past year, during the pandemic, he listed a bunch of his relics on bids. And I ended up getting the flag star for like five. It was ended at 500 and I, I ended up winning it. So I got it. And I even offered him. The funny thing is, before the pandemic started, uh, he was started to sell a few of his lower end relics. And I said, hey, you know, do you have the, I know you have the star because it lives like 20 minutes from me. I said, would you have any interest in selling that one? And he's like, no, you know, I, did, I want at least I think I offered him like 750 or something. And he didn't want it. Now, sorry, if I put it, it's going to go up on auction. And then I ended up getting it last year. Uh, I think it was like around last summer for for a lot less for five. So I, I was really happy. To, and it was from him, from Ramona. And uh, yeah, it was just a funny story to see it him buy it for 12 and then he later get it for, for five. But um, yeah, I was really happy to have that one. For sure, for sure. Um, actually, that answers that question quite well. So that was a good story to tell for that yeah. one. Um, I know we're at the hour mark. Um, so I, don't, I want to be respectful of everyone's time. So you normally ask, I guess, if you're okay for a few more minutes, we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, um, for those of you who, who came in a little bit late, uh, we were going through the Goodwin uh, Museum relics. So Joey took us through that. It was a very good episode to go through that. Um, we save our best questions for last. So I'm going to let Kent take it this week because I took it last week. So so for those who have been tuning in tonight, and, and we thank them for tuning in, um, the ones who will be watching as well, the replay of this episode on YouTube, um, if they have a museum relic or know of someone that has one that you could use in your collection, what is the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah, so definitely by either Twitter or Instagram. So, uh, yeah, either one of those works well. Below, below on the scroll bar. Oh, people. perfect. Thank you. Yeah, Twitter, Instagram. Feel free to reach out. And, uh, and I'll definitely get back to you guys. I, I appreciate any help with these. Even if you just have any questions about some of the previous years, I'm happy to, to help out. Sorry, I didn't mean to interject there. I just wanted to also say if, if anybody was wanting to trade as well, I have there are a few of them that I have doubles of. So if you want to work something out a, a trade, I'd be happy to as well. Excellent. Awesome. Um, I just realized another cool uh, uh, segue here. So our guest next week is actually Nane Cardinal, who's of uh, At Cards Indigenous. He's an Indigenous uh, card collector, facing Indigenous <laughs> history. So it's, it's kind of a good, it's kind of cool because we went into Ooh. your history of like the history of your cards of why you collect and then the history eras. And now we're going to go into Indigenous, a bit of Indigenous history next week with uh, cool. me. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Anyways, I'm going to save the best question for last. And like I said, Kent, I, I'm going to be very good this week and not steal the question for you. So you go ahead. So, Joey, we usually ask this towards the end of the show for all of our guests. What inspires you? Yeah, so that's a great question. And I think it goes back to what we talked about a little bit at the beginning with, with these being, with having one of these relics and, and wondering, you know, what it's seen. What is this button or what is this flag? seen you know over the years and so again it's that personal touch but more than anything i think it's paying tribute i think it's really important to understand and kind of learn about our history mm. and so with these relics not only is an opportunity to to see things on, on a smaller microscopic level at the individual level but but you get a sense of what these people went through right that some of their motivations for for joining the war some of the the troubles that they had to not just during the war but even post-war right we talked a little bit about world war one but but think about ptsd what it is now and, and how it was talked about during world war one they, they really didn't even know much about it so you were starting to see shell shock and so I, I just think getting an opportunity to own some of these relics is also uh, reminds me what so many great people have done uh for, for the service of our country to fight for our country. And, and so for me, the inspiration comes from kind of paying tribute and, and knowing that these people gave so many people have gave their lives. And, and I really appreciate what uh, the military you know, has done uh, for our country to keep us safe. And so again, it goes back to learning about the, the sacrifices so many have made just so that we have a chance to buy sports cards or buy museum relics on eBay. Right. And so, the sacrifices that people have made is 
big inspiration for me. Sure. So um, we're at the end of our show, so I want to thank you, Joey. Um, yeah. This was beyond awesome. Um, I had a lot of fun. Um, cool. And I'm sure we'll talk again. We're definitely going to have to do a show and tell when you're actually in your room. So you can actually show the pieces up up close. The star yeah. is something I want everyone to see because it's yes. Most of us are most of us are traditional card collectors, so we're used to mm -hmm. like you know cards that are this sort of bad right. example. I'll use this example. Cards that are uh, this size. Yeah. But so when you show the flag, it's like it's, yeah. it's huge. So yeah, I think so, I want people to to see that and appreciate uh, what that is. So um, definitely. So we're gonna sign off. So hang out in the Actually, background, Joey. Glad to meet. Yes, yeah. go ahead. I'm glad, Joey, that you're a history collector and you're keeping the history alive. Because as more of our veterans pass away, unfortunately, it's gonna get kind of overshadowed. And I don't know how much more real life experiences we're gonna get out of those that are still alive. And then once they pass on. That whole part of mm -hmm. that knowledge that they had, you know, being in the Great War and World War II is going to be yeah. lost. So I'm yeah. glad that you're a young person who's actually keeping history alive. So I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. No, and I really appreciate you guys having me on. And thank you to everybody that, that joined. Uh, I was happy to be here and kind of tell a little bit about my story. And I'm sure, yeah, that you guys will reach out another time. And, and we can do like an update once once I can acquire some more pieces so we can talk about some new ones. And like I said, oh, show, well. them in, show them up close. So. And we'd love Here to see is. more additional pieces, that's for yeah. sure. So, uh, Joey, hang out for a bit. Uh, we're sure. going to end the broadcast. And uh, uh -huh. uh, let's close off then. So, uh, from, from the boys here at Cardboard Culture, see you next week. See you next week. Bye, everybody. Take care, guys.